back to the Frustrated Fans, episode 52, The Dark Tone Return. Frustrated Fans, stealing your rose-colored glasses one franchise at a time. I'm your host, Pete. I'm your other host, Jeremy, and we've got ourselves a guest today, Pete. It's me, Travis! <laughs> yep. Travis, uh, who you may remember from our episode where I made him play uh, the Sonic 06 uh, multiplayer with me. Mm-hmm. I still haven't forgiven you. <laughs> or should you? <laughs> I just remember your reaction. I'm like, hey, can, you want to help me with something for the podcast? You're like, yeah, what? Oh, no. <laughs> you knew what we were covering. And I just held up Sonic 06 and went, we must see the multiplayer. I don't know. I was just more uncomfortable with how good you were at that multiplayer. <laughs> Like, you spent time on that game. He spent more time... I had to pull the drag shoot. I was so damn angry at the game. He went through it. I had a, by the time he had rage quit, like, the first portion, I had beaten two of the stories. Yeah. It was, yeah. like, my third time through the game. That's not something you should be proud of. I'm not saying I'm proud no. of it. No, you really shouldn't. <laughs> but that's not what we're here to review today. No, we're here to well, review something else really crappy. Uh, if you paid attention to our last episode, we went and looked at the Adam West Batman movie, which I think we could both agree was a lot of fun to cover, no matter how cheesy it was. I loved it. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. It was so good. It was definitely a reflection of the age it came from, the so-called Silver Age of comics. The Silver Age ended some, uh, some years later. Two events that seemed to, most comic reviewers seemed to agree on that ended it. A, Speedy was taking heroin in the Green Arrow book. <laughs> and B, Gwen Stacy's death in Spider-Man. In what we call the modern age of comics. Please tell me they didn't where, make a joke where he's like doing heroin. They're like, why are you doing it? He's like, but it has the word hero in it. Can't spell heroin without hero. No, they did try and take it seriously. And they were trying to challenge the Comics Code Authority. Gotcha. So. But then there's, there's a thing called challenging the Comics Code Authority... And then there's what we have today. Now, if you've never read any of the original Golden Age Batman, it's the Golden Age. But it originally started as this kind of dark Avenger. Batman used a gun in his original incarnation. Yeah, that. however, that quickly got uh, written out, for even from the early days on. Uh, the Joker was a murdering psychopath, and a lot of the rogues gallery, when they started out, if they weren't silver, creating the Silver Age, say, like, Poison Ivy, or the Riddler, yeah, these were criminals. They weren't this, you know, what we saw with the Adam West Batman show. <laughs> so, when it came for the modern age of comics, and kind of what you return to, return to uh, darker storytelling, there's one product in particular that people most point into is kind of the genesis of, and that brings us to... Say... Time. Yes, Frank Miller, the legendary comics writer. Uh, legendary not for the best of reasons, in my opinion, but we'll get to that. By legendary, we're not talking about famously awesome. We're talking legendary, more like that really terrible video game legendary. Hmm. Suffice to say, Frank is has a unique position within the industry. He's revered by a lot of people. And I'm not saying he can't put out a good product now and then. For example, Batman Year One, which manages 
to tell the origin of Batman, and uh, his first starts with James Gordon, and it's actually really good. Art maybe not be the greatest, but it made its own had its own DCAU release as a, as a standalone movie. I mean, it's like one of the only ones I haven't seen. Yeah, it it's actually good, and to one effect or another, parts of Three Hundred, the comic, are good. Arguably, the movie actually made it better. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with Three Hundred movie. I didn't well, like what I saw. Eh. It it was what it was. <laughs> But that's not to say Frank Miller's work is exactly great. Now, see All-Star Batman and Robin. Hey. Crazy Steve? Crazy yes. Steve. <laughs> it, it brought you such great lines as, I'm the goddamn Batman. <laughs> and we're... It did give us parody fodder for that, I will say that. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, yeah, where Batman kidnaps Robin. Or, or kidnaps a child to be making Robin. <laughs> you got... I'm not making that up. That? What you guys don't you guys don't kid, kidnap kids, <laughs> Travis? Oh, uh, I'm in the wrong podcast. Dude, dude, no. dude, do we need to have a talk? I got like five robins at home. <laughs> <laughs> One's old enough. He's about to become Nightwing. <laughs> God. <laughs> oh wow! Can we not, please? Okay. So Frank Miller in the I'm looking up the date here. Jeremy, why don't I do that? Why don't you talk about the movie, who stars in it, and who directed and all that other so stuff? So Dark Knight Returns was split into two separate movies, directed by Jay Oliva, who, or Leva, whatever, who joins a long list of people whose names we can't pronounce, um, who has directed a lot of other um, DCAU stuff. The movie version was written by Bob Goodman, and it had Peter Weller as Batman, who... A.K.A. Robocop. Yep. A.K.A. the villain from Star Trek Into Darkness. And the part one came out in September of 2012. Part two then came out in January of 2013. And then they just combined them both into one deluxe edition in October of 2013. That took a while. That's a long, that is a long movie to sit through, by the way. The combined one. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Now, the, this is based on the comic by Frank Miller. In, it came out in 1986 in a four-issue miniseries. Um. Frank was written primary writer, and it was illustrated by by Miller himself and a artist named Klaus Johnson. Really, it was drawn by Frank Miller. I never would have guessed. After looking at it, I could right. never have guessed that was Frank Miller's artwork in that. I thought it was Pablo Picasso's. To the series' credit, what very good things it gets right. There are some. There are generally some good parts. Uh, the idea of Batman returning. Returning to the mantle after time away. Yeah, that's an interesting story that could have gone. And we have our first introduction of a female Robin, which the modern comics do, have also reflected. That is about where it ends <laughs> in the Maya. But we're going to get to that. So, the original comic came out in 1986. We were about two yeah. at the time. So, obviously, we didn't see this too... I may be about late high school for me. And I never really star read it through start to finish initially. I remember people talking about it when the sequel came out, which I will never touch. <laughs> I've seen the Link Carl uh, review. Yeah, that. Um, but I remember reading it 
um, after I read the Marvel's blatant copy with the formula called Spider-Man Reign. And for those not initiated, Spider-Man Reign is basically Marvel saying, screw it. Imitation is just and form flattery. They put they do this story where oh, Spidey is old and out of the game for a long time and has to return to his own costume. The difference between The Dark Knight Rises and Spider-Man Reigns is that Frank Miller had nothing to do with the latter one. I'm not a fan of traditionally either story, and that I'm not a fan of the original comic as it is. I think there's a lot better Batman stories out there. What's your experience with it, Jeremy? Uh, I never read it. I had obviously heard everything about it. Well, until recently. Well, yeah, I'm getting to that. Um, I heard of it, and I heard, like, you know, how it influenced, like, the modern takes on Batman and everything. Um, But I had never actually read the comics, so when the movie was coming out, uh, like, the direct-to-video thing, I'm like, oh, cool, I can finally see what this is, because I don't feel like reading the comic. I just don't read a lot of comics in general. I usually like watching the animated stuff. Um, or the movie, or the live action movies. And so I saw it and I saw part one. I was like, yeah, it's, you know, pretty good and everything. And I saw part two and well, we'll get to that. Um, but I decided last night to read the comic and uh, I ended up skipping over parts of it because parts of it were completely worthless. Uh, and I did not like it. At all. There was like a couple good little images in it, maybe, and a couple decent moments, but overall I thought it was pretty bad. I thought the movie was actually an improvement over the comic. Uh, what about you? Uh, I read the comic in high school. Uh, not only that, I read the comic in Saturday school, in high school. And in my own little edgy way, I really liked the first one. I can't say the same about the second. Uh, Fair enough. You know? Um, Have you touched the third one that just came out? No. The Master Race? Yeah. That is, literally literally what is that called. really what it is? That is what it's called. Yeah. I did not know that. It's <laughs> what? Um, How? Where? Frank Miller's art, if any, anything has degraded, I showed Jeremy the other day a picture of one of the covers that features a Wonder Woman with a baby on her back. Uh, yeah. So, wait. Is really the Master Race? The Dark Knight 3... Why, why would that the be... The Master Race. Oh, it, the plot line is the Master Race comes from the bottled city of Kandor getting broken open and Kryptonians trying to take over Earth. Oh. And they're the Master Race. Man, that's just like... Dumb. That's some cash in. That's some like, hey, we got these movies, let's just kind of like, uh, you know, start throwing that. I didn't even know there was a third. I don't know where you would go from that. And He's gonna already be planning a fourth and a prequel. Yep. I think Miller just finds... You, you come... Okay, so you have the Dark Knight return. You come back, and then you're like, oh, you know what we should do before that? We should go back to what happened before that. You mean the, the comic? <laughs> you mean what was happening? He left. What's it just going to be his like vacation while he was gone? He's like brooding over the fact he's not there. He's like, I can't enjoy this vacation because I don't know how Gotham's going. Like... <sighs> I mean, like, whatever. So, Don't hate, I mean, like, you, you can't hate the player, hate the game. This guy's making money, and he's like, I'm going to just keep on cashing it. Oh, don't get me wrong. I, I understand Frank knows what he needs to do to sell comics, but there's a difference. But Bruce Tim actually tries, and the the effort shows. I was going to say, Frank knows how to make comics. Yeah, he knows how to dip, dip his dick in ink and wipe it on the page and make it look like he drew something. Something like that. Hey, man, if you can do that and get paid for it, why stop? <laughs> <laughs> this is true. Here's the thing. 
Um, I'm not saying this book and movie are completely bad, but it's not the best thing Frank's ever produced. No. It's far from the worst thing ever produced. So let's address the elephant in the room. Frank himself. Let's be Frank. (laughs) Frank Miller is an unapologetic misogynist and bigot. And frankly, I usually don't care for his work. Frankly? I'm not saying he hasn't had some positive effect on the industry. With books like this, Dreamhunter, etc., and challenging new writers and artists to rethink basic superheroes. Year One is actually one of my favorite books. And he brought back Daredevil from the brink of extinct from cancellation. Mm-hmm. That being said, what he does with female characters in his books, um, and then you, and then you have which is bad enough in its own right, but the absolute horrible things he can't write female characters to save his right life, usually put, making them out to be sexualized whores. But that all oh, okay. pales in comparison. <laughs> pales into comparison to the absolute bigotry that is Holy Terror. For those not in the know, Holy Terror is a book DC refused to publish. What? Frank Frank went to DC with this story he had written about a terrorist action in in Gotham City that Catwoman and Batman have to respond to. DC outright rejected it. Because not only does the story um, portray all Muslims as terrorists, beyond any shadow of a doubt... (laughs) It has what not Batwoman and about Batman and not Catwoman torture said terrorists to get information and laugh about it later. Oh, so he just when DC kicked it back, he just revised it so it's kind of not he Batman. Self-published? No, no, he self-published and took it, took and took it and uh, away from DC. Okay, I. This is one of the few comics who's given made Linkara quietly, coldly angry. And that should give you an idea. Holy terror. How bad this is. Looking at some of the images from this thing, I reiterate, he just wiped his dick on the page. I can't even figure out what some of this stuff is. It's all in black and white, too, so it's even harder to discern what the heck this is. Like I said, Frank has had some good influence on the industry, like Sin City, like Batman Year One, but a lot of what he has written is crap much as when it is outright misogynistic or bigoted. This is, what the hell is she wearing? Yeah. Well, while oh. you consider that, we're going to take our first break. Okay. What the hell is that? Can't exactly look right now, kid. Up there. Freaking weird. Tell me, holy! You're slowing down? Yeah, we're in for a show, kid. So now that you've actually heard me all actually show show a outright serious opinion here, instead of actually playing this for comedy, let's get back to the comedy. <laughs> let's get to our summary of the first movie. <laughs> Yeah, I'll save my opinions for Frank for when we get to uh, our opinions on the, this thing overall because, you know, I just figured, like, why do little mini rants when I could just do one big-ass rant at the end? So set the stage. How did we – how does this movie begin? So it starts 
with Bruce Wayne driving a, a race car and ignoring people telling him, hey, the thing's going to blow up. But he ignores them, and he... Iron goes, Man 2. Huh? Uh, uh, Iron Man 2. <laughs> oh, yeah. And and guess what? The car blows up. Oh, my God. <laughs> but he's fine. So we find out it's been ten years since Bruce Wayne stopped being Batman, and apparently Gotham has gone to absolute crap. Because a one-man vigilante on crime will, will, will have that much of an effect on the overall crime rate. Yeah. <laughs> See, crime doesn't happen because desperation or people... Getting uh getting into gangs or uh, other things like this, it just happens because people get off on the hurting other people. It's because it's, right, it's Gotham. It it rains it rains crime there. So we find out there's gangs everywhere, fire and brimstone raining from the sky, dogs and cats living together, mass hysteria. Oh wait, quiet, Doctor Bankman. All right. Oh wait, we just hear about this crap on the news because the city looks perfectly fine. It's like the new RoboCop movie. We hear about crime, but you know the city looks kind of fine, actually. And given how much Frank, or excuse me, how much uh, Bruce Tim trimmed back Frank Miller's constant news reports from the original book, that's saying something. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so we get 55-year-old Bruce chatting with uh, the soon-to-be retired Commissioner Gordon. He's 70 in the book. Yep. So we'll go from that here. And uh, we hear the city is mainly being threatened by a gang called the Mutants. Mm. And with sharp, pointy teeth. <laughs> Why are they called mutants? We never know. I have no idea. I, no, I, <laughs> my theory, Frank Miller just picked up an X-Men book and went, Duh. I like the name Mutant. It is good name. I use it. <laughs> Probably something to that. To that. Uh, the Mutants are, as, uh, as criminals go, more on the chaotic evil side. Okay. They... Hey, they like robbery, murder, arson, rape, stampeding cattle through the Vatican, <laughs> rape, murder, oh. rape. rape. <laughs> Why'd you say rape twice? Yeah, please like sell references, folks. <laughs> <laughs> Again, considering Frank Miller is writing this, I'm surprised we didn't get a, hey, where are all the white women at? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'm. Uh, yeah, that's a good we'll point. Draw, we'll draw them on the page. There we go. <laughs> yeah. We're in like nothing. So, while uh, Commissioner Gordon and Bruce share a drink, trying to, you know, just relive, kind of just hang out, I guess best way to put it. Uh, Gordon actually tries to. Re he, it's. I mean, he obviously knows who Batman is at this point, and he basically says, you know, implies why Bruce walked away from this was uh, because. Jason Todd died. And it's funny, from what I hear, that's what brought a lot of people back to the Batman comics, is Jason <laughs> Todd died. And again, for those not in the know, Jason Todd was the second Robin who was so hated by the fan base at the time, DC literally set up a voting system using 900 numbers in the 80s to see if Robin would live or die through a Joker storyline. He died. Oh, yeah. And then Superboy pun Prime punched reality and brought him back. <laughs> I am not making that up. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, so we also they also cut to Arkham, and we find out that all of Batman's old villains are kind of locked up in there, and Joker's catatonic. The only thing we only two we really see are Harvey and Joker. I'm just assuming that they're all uh, they're all in another room playing Pinochle together. No, yeah. right. It's, it's Miller. Or they're, they're dead. <laughs> they're dead. <laughs> he died a terrible breath. We'll hear about it in the prequel, guys. Well, maybe they're... Don't you worry. He'll get you covered. <laughs> they're buried oh, out God. back. Okay. 
we find Harvey Dent is on his way to salvation. Um, he's getting plastic surgery and to make both sides match. And uh, is close to relation while Joker is canatonic from not having a Batman to fight against, effectively. And so Harvey Dent is released. And he's like, I can't wait to try to repay Gotham. And then suddenly he disappears and is up to no good within two seconds later. Yeah, can I quote Dragon Ball Z abridged? You get one. Well, that didn't last real f***ing long. <laughs> I have to censor that. <laughs> so did they. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, so, long story short, Batman is like, or Bruce is like, I want to be Batman again. And I mysteriously save, shaved my mustache. And so he goes out and becomes Batman again. And... I'm not making this up. The first three crimes he stops are a mugging possible rape, beating the piss out of a pimp who is about to cut up one of his whores, and then beats the crap out of mutants threatening two high school girls, probably going to do who knows what with them. Something a pattern here, Mr. Miller. Oh, and for the record, this may be an inadvertent reference to the exact same crimes that Bruce would... Uh, Helps stump pre-Batman in Batman Year One a year later. Yeah. <laughs> it's all connected. <laughs> he had this like vision years ago. <laughs> he's a visionary, guys. Oh, he, he's a visionary. He stared at the sun for a while <laughs> and then started drawing. That would explain his artwork. That explains a lot, actually. Um, <laughs> the sun is bright. It is my friend. So, yeah. And, of course, Batman ends up stopping some robbers with the police. The, a scene, actually, that made it into the third Batman, uh, Nolan Batman movie. Yep. Where a older cop sits back and watches the show while the younger cop tries to stop Batman from stopping the robbers. Spoiler! He doesn't do it very well. And we find out the re report robbers are working for Two-Face. Of course they are. I, I will. So, you know, I will admit, in the very first part where the guy's about to like mug or do God knows what to the woman, where all of a sudden Batman just like punches through the like a window and grabs him and drags him in. That was actually kind of cool looking. Yeah. I like so that. in other words, they copied one of the best scenes out of RoboCop. Well, no, they do that later because they had the voice actor, had the actor who played RoboCop. Well, no, is that well, is that part was in the comic? No, they pull, they rip uh, off RoboCop later because Batman literally one fist at a time punches through a brick wall and then grabs someone who's wielding machine gun. <laughs> that part was definitely bat. It was uh, definitely RoboCop reference, which I am perfectly fine with, by the way. Yeah, fine. So, but we do see that. The toll of being Batman does not come without injuries on a 55-year-old body. Because then when we next find see Batman, Bruce is hurting something fierce, and Alfred, while well, using the close combat medic skills he has from his time in the military, is putting it back together. I, w I will admit I like um, Alfred's line, especially with the way the voice actor delivers it, where he's like, we have an old family recipe. If you want to kill yourself, we have an old family recipe for su for suicide. It's long and painful. I'm sure you'd love it. So, Batman goes through this. Uh, all the robbers he faced like night, he put in the hospital. So Except for one. Well, one, he came out of the hospital, and 
And, they're, and he's with his lawyer. And the lawyer's like, you should let my client go. And he goes, okay. But he needs protection. Bye. See ya. <laughs> hope Batman doesn't get ya. I really do hope sorry. Batman gets him. Sorry, not sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so, in other words, Jim Gordon's reached the point in his career where he's the, screw it, I'm going to... Screw it, I retire in a month. <laughs> Which always goes well in every movie in every situation ever. Yeah, he's like he's just two he's two days away from I retirement. I got retired in two days. Nothing <laughs> bad going to happen now. So of course Batman <laughs> finds the retirement. You gotta... <coughs> hang there on. you go, Jeremy. Breathe. <coughs> oh, hang on, I need a minute. See, all he did was joke about going on retirement, and he almost croaked. This is a bad situation. So while he oh, wow. recovers, uh, of course, Gordon still has the bat signal and turns it on, and Batman and Gordon finally talk, although it's with Batman in the suit. So they basically said, yeah, we know it's Two-Face, but let's hope it's not. That's for wishful thinking. Yeah. Batman's also like, eh, I should probably do something about those mutants. Eh, there's no hurry. <laughs> you alright there, Chief? Yeah, I'm okay. Oh, it's like, we gotta take out those mutants. We gotta stop them from spreading their popularity. And Batman's like, don't worry. <laughs> don't worry, the director of the third X-Men movie will do that in a little over a decade. God. <laughs> and it'll take two movie, two movies by the original director to make it right. And Maybe three. And even then. <laughs> All things considered, is anyone, uh, any of us here surprised that Wolverine is, in fact, an X-Men apocalypse? According to the trailer. No. <laughs> guy, he's just going to... He's got that role for life. And he's like... Yeah, well... He's got a story reason for it. He's just like, oh, I, I'm just forever. So I could literally be... <laughs> it's funny you mention that, because Marvel did put out an Old Man Logan comic book. I was going to say... facing the third X-Men movie... Or the third Wolverine movie on. And it's rumored to be R. Because Deadpool did it, so why not? Yep. While we look up those trailers, we'll take our next break. You're under arrest, mister! You just crippled that man! He's young. He'll walk again. But you'll stay scared, won't you, punk? I mean it! Get away from him! He's being patient with you as it is, kid. Nice to have you back, Bats. <coughs> it's, uh, it's me, uh, Jeremy, and uh, tra Travis. Uh, Travis went home, so... Uh, well, you sound more deep with deeper voice and more manly than Jeremy ever was. Uh, nope, nope, this is Jeremy. It's always been, always will. Is Cleon promotion going over there? Yep, you know, you just, just, you, you just keep going. Uh, oh, gosh. I I'm twice, Jeremy, if you're still alive. <laughs> That's one. See? He's dead. I mean, nope, I'm Jeremy. Don't worry about it. Ayohas, we got this. Well, while you guys consider what I, you're I'm doing. the game, and how you play it, it's all about control, and, and if you can... Yep, I'm Jeremy. Don't worry about it. Keep going. Well, Dark Knight 2. What's up? There you go. While Batman goes in and kicks the heck out of Dark Harvey Dent's henchmen, you... Apparently using some variant of the Scarecrow fear gas, because Batman would totally do that. 
Um, he stopped uh, Frank Miller's Batman would. <laughs> oh, he's he back. Oh, I, I'm alive again. Oh, Travis is here, too. Whoa, crazy. How'd that happen? <clears throat> no hard feelings uh, there, Jeremy. Nothing <laughs> happened. Don't worry about it. Oh, man. Oh. <laughs> See, I, I took that temporary death pill from Metal Gear Solid 3, and now I'm back. Yeah. And the one movie in the later in the movie. Oh, Oops, yeah. spoiling. <gasps> no, no, remember, you can't spoil something that's already rotten. Good point. Hey-o. <laughs> so, yeah. So, basically, Batman comes in, kicks around the heck out of Dent's henchmen, keeps Dent from brawling up the buildings, and using a helicopter to carry them away. Yes, I'm not making that up. So, he comes in and finds... Two faces covered in bandages, rips them off, and Harvey's normal looking. But Harvey, truly in the grasp of full sanity, basically looks into a mirror and he sees his two-faced face only on both sides now. And he's gone bye-bye. Yeah, we never see him again. They don't do any follow-up with this, even though... Presumably he gets sent back to Arkham. Well, yeah, I just, I thought that was like a really good, I thought that was a cool twist where he thought everyone was just lying to him and that he really was screwed up on both sides. But it's yeah. like, we never get anything else about it. That's it. And it's one of the more interesting parts of it, especially is he even says, like, you know, I couldn't escape it. I couldn't back out of it. And now, I like see, Batman's line afterwards. He's like, you and me both. See, if I knew this was... If I didn't know this was Frank Miller written, I'd actually call this part of Bruce's Tim's work. Mm. You know, up to this point. Mm. Yeah. And now we have the Bat Tank. Yeah. Yeah you, 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 yeah, you thought Christopher Nolan had that original with the whole the tumbler? No, no, no. Miller did it first. <laughs> Batman's like, like it's, it's like a pacifist tank for being a goddamn yeah, tank because it shoots rubber bullets, <laughs> and those explosives that fire us they don't certainly hurt anyone. So what we're saying is Batman's got the tools, he's got the talent. It's Miller time. Ugh. <laughs> uh. Yes, I just face palmed. <laughs> I make him do that sometimes. No, sometimes, but <laughs> a lot actually. Um, so yeah, and for the record, folks, the bat tank, which is a double decker, by the way, because <laughs> it's making it up for the fact that Frank Miller has a tiny penis. You said it. Yes, I did. I'm proud of it. Well, yeah. So basically, yeah, Batman. Well, he just takes his tank and he just says, "Screw it!" He goes right into the mutant stronghold and starts shooting everyone with rubber bullets. Yep, rubber <laughs> bullets. And they start trying to blow him up and blow themselves up. And then one of the girls just, he saved, Carrie Kelly, is now dressing like Robin and helping him because everyone's insane. Now, see, I actually like the addition of Carrie in this story. If it wasn't exceedingly creepy, is it creepy from the part of Miller, little boys, because cause that's what he did for Robin. So I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah, at least she goes willingly. <laughs> yeah, if he kidnapped her, it'd be a little creepier. Now, seeing some of the images in the comic, yeah, like her hugging naked Bruce. Yeah, oh, it, it's yeah, creepy. I saw that last night. I'm like, um, um. <laughs> I she needs an adult. And, uh, and Bruce I is need like, an adult. I am an adult. No, no, he is not. <laughs> I am a man child. Half of that is man. The other half is bad. What? 
So, <laughs> my dick. <laughs> Thank you, Captain Hammer. Um, so, even though Bruce is pretty much tore through all the mutants, the mutant leader, which you came up with an original name for this guy. Yep. <laughs> it's very cold in the mud hole. Yeah. He, uh, he has a bit of a pig face. He has pointy nipples, so I could have dubbed him. No, no. And you may just thinking we're we're exe- uh, we're trying to make comedy out of out of some ex- no. accentuated art. No, this guy has like it looks like Madonna. yeah. I was just thinking the same thing. He's got like the Madonna pointy bra, but it's just his nipples, and it's like so. From here on out, he is now called Pointy, <laughs> or in your or what was the other name you called him? I dubbed the Higgy McSpike nipple. Copyright pending. You'll make a fortune. Yeah. <laughs> you well, should copyright it now before Frank Miller wants to put it in my <laughs> Dark Knight Returns 5. Returns the, harder. The return of Piggy McSpike Temple. <laughs> so, how, however, make a lot of money. Uh, Frank Miller has proven it's very easy to do so. Keep going. <laughs> however, pu- while he puts up some bit of a fight, Bruce does get his butt kicked. Yep. And then... I enjoy this part. <laughs> Crazy Steve, okay, Linkara's name for the Batman and the Dark Knight Returns series, and an All Star Batman butt, and Robin gets his butt kicked. Oh yeah, he gets hammered. Uh, and there is no way a fifty-five-year-old man who spent years doing this beforehand should be able to come back this quickly. Yeah, but <laughs> but then Robin helps him out, and he throws some weird gooey liquid into Piggy's face and he falls on the floor. <laughs> I'm assuming it's just Frank Miller's that he left on the comic book page. Please stop. <laughs> so they go, she helps him back to the cave and Alfred's like, you shouldn't bring the girl with you. And he's like, no, <laughs> she helped me. I'm taking her with me. And Oh, so we are doing the kidnapping. Yeah, and then he strips off all his clothes. Uh-oh. And he strips off all his clothes and bleeds and talks to himself. And he's like, I'm not done yet. And somewhere the Joker's like, yes, you are. And he's like, no, I'm not. Prove it. We'll get to the Joker. Oh, yeah, oh, we will. Uh, so Piggy's locked up. His doofy followers want to break him out. So... The fat-ass mayor is like, I'm going to go talk to him and make a deal. And Piggy uh, bites his head off. Well, he kills him ultra hard. Yeah. And uh, I love the fact that they leave him in there with no guards. So it's like, who didn't see that coming? Interpersonal throughout this entire storyline, we have news reports. Obviously, the mayor didn't see that coming. (laughs) (laughs) Throughout this entire story, it keeps flashing the news reports where talking heads... See, Miller, this is trying to be Miller, trying to be clever in the 80s. Um, and that somehow still applies today. Uh, basically, they go back and forth on whether Batman is good or not. And we have, and Lana Lang is one of the ones pro on the pro-Batman side. Yes, a Superman character <laughs> is in a Batman book. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, so... Batman comes up with strategy, and he convinces – he tells Carrie, here, you're going to dress up like a mutant. Get them all to meet up at this pipe. And she's like, so we're at 420 Blaze It? He's like, no, it's a big sewage pipe. She's like, well, I totally went somewhere else. So she gets all the mutants gathered at the pipe. P- 
Piggy is let go by Gordon because Gordon's like, screw the rules, I'm retiring. And uh, Mr. McSpike Nickbull crawls through a sewage duct, gets out in the mud because he's big. And the mutants are like, yeah, it's the boss! And then Batman drops down and punches him in the back of the head. No, 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 no. he doesn't drop down. He rises from the mud himself. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he gets on Piggy's level. So you're saying the Dark Knight rises. Oh, I'm just going to do that. <laughs> <laughs> you have to be faster on this podcast. No. <laughs> yep. And honestly, this actually was a pretty good fight. Yeah, I'm not going to deny it. It's actually a good way to end this bit of a storyline. Um, yeah, where Batman beats him using his wits and his skills and everything, and just his knowledge of how to fight, you know, of like anatomy and things like that. And it was actually pretty good. And then the mutants change their names to the Sons of Batman, and they're like, We're some gonna, of them, anyway. yeah, some of them do, and they're like, I would say a good, I would say just over a majority, yeah, and just the others kind of split off into their own factions, which we'll get to, yeah, which, and then they decide to carry on Batman's legacy, and Batman goes, all right, I'm done, I don't need to be Batman anymore, and that's the end of the story. No, it's not. No, you're right. That would have actually made sense. See, the last scene we get is the Joker at Arkham hearing Batman is back on his vigilante rampage, and in one of the genuinely creepy moments that Bruce Tim out made a lot better from the book, because the book's just like, okay, uh, he, Joker, in all kinds of tones of foyer, when he hears Batman's back, he wakes back up and says, darling. <laughs> Actually, I, well, at first he does his best Porky Pig impression. And goes Batman. Yeah, Batman, the Dark Knight. See, there's actually been comics where other villains have called Joker out for his fixation on one man. Even Lex Luthor admits, like he may hate Superman, but he doesn't want to. He, 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 there's no romance about well, it. Well, I don't know. Remember when we covered uh, Batman or Superman Doomsday? Okay, okay, fine. <laughs> but while we give walk away from that image, we'll do another break. I'm sure you've heard old fossils like me talk about Pearl Harbor. Mostly we all lie. Make it sound like we leapt to our feet and went after the axis the second it happened. Truth is, we were scared stiff. Rumors were flying. We barely had an army. Hell, we were hiding in our beds with our heads under the sheets. And then we heard President Roosevelt on the radio. That voice, strong and sure, taking our fear and turning it into a fighting spirit. He's why we won that war. So the movie picks up some weeks later. Uh, the Joker is uh, recovering, and he's pl- putting on a very good act to convince the psychologist in no, uh, in you know what? No, don't don't try to give this more credit than it deserves. He's not putting on a good act. Everyone else in this movie is just a complete and utter retard. Okay, well, this psychologist named Woper is so convinced that Batman is just this absolutely negative force for bad that he ultimately creates. Uh, villains like the Joker, and while you could argue that academically, while comic fans could argue this academically back and forth, this guy's clearly just nuts and has no idea what who the, how bad the Joker really is. So the Joker has his psychologist convinced to let him on a talk show, aka something to the tune of like the da- the night uh, Daily Show or then like David Letterman, who isn't 
Yeah, it's like a David. They're Stephen Colbert. Um, So he can show remorse for his past. Yeah. (sighs) And unlike Batman Beyond Return of the Joker, where no one seemed to have any idea how Joker was back or how he could even be back, and that was part of the mystery, there's no anyone we, like you point out, would have like a sense without to let the Joker out in public. Yeah. And then we cut to Superman chatting with it's totally Ronald Reagan. You mean not Reagan? Oh, it's it's freaking Reagan. It's like okay, it's like yeah. the Simpsons version of Reagan, but and this is where I have to question why Bruce Tim kept this in. I don't. Most of the translations of '80s graphic novels that you know were good, like Watchmen or V for Vendetta, um, managed to update the obvious '80s politics for the modern day. Are, this second half of the story is is set in the specter of the Cold War, which I grant you in 1986 was a thing, but the Berlin Wall would fall three years later. Yeah. So, <laughs> I can't help but wonder here if Frank is trying to make his comment on, quote, soft-hearted liberals or anything. The guy is pretty much an obvious super conservative, and regardless of wherever your politics are... You know, Frank doesn't actually reason out his arguments here. Yeah. So <clears throat> basically, we get not Reagan or Reagan light, kind of like Miller light. I get it. <laughs> uh, he's like Supes, uh, Superman. I want you to do stuff during the Cold War. Oh, and I that we got a problem over in Gotham City. One of your old buddies. I want you to go down and talk to him. Mr. Superman, tear down this wall. And he's like, Mr. Reagan, this is a barrier wall for the White House. And he's like, tear down this wall. Yeah, well. <laughs> That's flawless. Yeah. <laughs> per- I, I thought it was with Reagan. <laughs> it's crazy. So you basically want Superman to talk Batman out of returning his vigilante work. And again, not to bring my, not to bring up the point I just made, but Alan Moore already did this better. With Dr. Manhattan intervening in uh, Vietnam in the book Watchmen. They point out why superhero, kind of showing why superheroes intervening in these massive grand events is not always the best idea. Dr. Manhattan's like, you will obey the swinging dong of justice. <laughs> Actually, he wore pants for Vietnam, but that's another story. At least in the comic. Historically, you had to wear pants for Vietnam. You can't go into that anymore. They're like, come on, dude, no. No, come on. <laughs> Do you think that would have so, saved if he went there naked? We'd still be having that conflict. So yeah, so there's a Cold War subplot in subplot in a Batman story. Why? What is the point here? Um, are we trying to? Is Frank Miller trying to flag wave and say how much much better we are than the commies? Not really. Um, if anything, it seems a little derogatory at these super patriotic. Superman, but at the same time, given what we how we see Frank kind of address the quote soft-hearted stuff uh, of this psychologist who's actually trying to reform Harvey Dent, even if he and the Joker, even if he's colossally blundering at his job, I, 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 I don't get what Frank's trying to do here. I don't know. I, I would like to point out something with the psychologist guy. It's the difference between like the first and second parts of this movie, where the first part is a little bit more grounded, the second part is just completely batshit insane, and no, that pun was not intended. Um, in the first, in the first one, yeah, the psychologist seems to honestly care about Harvey Dent and understands that he is, you know, a little disturbed and stuff, and 
want it is honestly trying to help him. In this one, he just seems like a naive moron for me, like, oh, Joker's perfectly fine. I'm just going to ignore the last supervillain I thought was okay and went on trying to kill a bunch of people. Let's just go do the yeah. crazier one. Yeah. After, uh, yeah, why would he still have a career at Arkham even if after the Tarvey went nuts? Why would any of the guards still have careers at Arkham? <laughs> Literally <laughs> everyone gets out of that place. <laughs> Good benefits. <laughs> Good benefits. I'm pretty sure I could get out of that place. <laughs> I have no idea how to get out of this complex. That's why I like the, the plot of Batman Arkham Asylum is you're locked inside. This Joker finally figured out how to do that. You should put Joker in charge of it. Apparently he can keep people in. Well, that's when we get Frank's misogyny decides to show up. Oh, this isn't misogyny. This is just complete ridiculousness. We get <laughs> we get a woman named Bruno who's topless and has swastika pasties on her tits. Okay? Yeah. This is the most Some ridiculous, of the... stupid friggin' thing I've ever seen in my life. Oh, and in the comic... It's this... cleaned up from the book, yeah. Oh, God. In the movie, they don't do this. Thank God is Bruce Tim has some, you know, actually has respect. In the comic, she wears assless chaps and has the same swastika t- tattoos on her butt cheeks. You just really gotta hit that point home. Uh, I know. Uh, just, subtlety is if, not Frank Miller's strong point. you see when point. she blinks, she's got him behind the eyelids. <laughs> I would not be surprised. <laughs> she winks. She's like, what's up? <sighs> close them too. And when she closes them both, she's like, I do not see you. It's She's actually like probably in the third part, the master race. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> she's perfect for it. Are you going to make me start making Mel Brooks jokes here? <laughs> <laughs> it's springtime for Bruno and Gotham. <laughs> so Bruno inherited some of the remaining mutants into her own gang, and Batman's just got to beat her up. Yep. It's what he does. But then uh, as he's chasing her down, Superman shows up faster than a speeding bullet, more powerful than a locomotive. And yes, they show this repeatedly throughout the whole thing. Um, And they say these comments in the comic, you know, because, you know, punch it on the nose, subtlety is dead. And he's like, Bruce, we need to talk. And Bruce is like, I'm busy, damn it. I'll talk to you later. He says, tomorrow at the ranch. Yep. And so they're on the ranch. Oh, Christ. Puts his foot up on a rock. Poses all nobly, and a bald eagle lands on his goddamn... Real subtle there, Frank. Uh, like another light commercial. <laughs> America. We don't drink craft beer in America. <laughs> we only drink Miller. Isn't that the Budweiser slogan right now? It actually is. Yeah. <laughs> it's not wise not to drink Miller with your buds. Hey-oh, I see what you did there. God. So, then anyway, Joker goes on not Letterman, and, uh, oh my God, in a shocking twist, he kills everybody. Holy crap, I didn't see that coming. Yeah, and he even has a henchman who builds little robot children for him. It's kind of creepy. I thought he was... I thought he was sane. What happened here? Uh, Walker, why would you lie? Yeah, it's Batman. He's making him crazy. Yeah, Batman comes back in. He's like, I, you know what? I didn't have the Smilex and everything sitting around waiting to just explode. I literally, as soon as I saw Batman's face, I was like, oh, jeez, where did this come from? I'm just so crazy. Do you know what? No, I know the true cause behind it. Violent video games. Oh, you know Batman, what? Joker played too much Call of Duty. Thank you, Fox News. I just didn't know. Yeah. <laughs> Joker played a bunch of Mortal Kombat, and he's like, I oh, God, that was one, too. <laughs> Our 
that, we in the nineties oh, here or oh, what's going that, on here, fellas? Insane. <laughs> you play All right. crap. So apparently not only does Joker have Smilex back and murderous mop at robots, uh but mind and... control lipstick. Yeah. What? What? <laughs> I'm sorry, what? Oh, and he brainwashes Selena Kyle, who runs a prostitution business, because of course she does. It's Frank Miller. Every woman in his story is either a whore, helpless, or worthless. Yeah. In fact, the only woman who does anything, a.k.a. Carrie the, Carrie the Robin, is still kind of, you know... Kind of second to, fiddle. She's still kind of superficial to the plot. And from what I read, apparently the only reason why she is a girl is because one of the people in charge told him Robin needs to be a girl. And Frank Miller's like, okay. I'll do it. But I'll make her 13 so she looks like a boy. Oh, Christ. <laughs> that could have been Batman's decision. Yeah. Yeah. I'd <laughs> like, be glad that's all he did with a 13-year-old girl. Yeah. <laughs> I'll just put a helmet on him. I won't tell. <laughs> So, that, um, Batman, knowing that Joker's up to something, he tries to break into the studio while Joker's killing everyone. Oh, this doesn't... But he ends up just beating up the cops, and while the cops and Batman are fighting, Joker gets away! Uh, because the new commissioner has a zero-tolerance policy for Batman. Uh, and guess what? She's in a, The new commissioner's ineffective. Guess what? She's a woman. <sighs> Thank you, Frank. But all of this does know, not right? compare. All of this does not compare. If you thought it was Foyer before with Joker calling Batman darling, guess where this fight ends up? They chase each other through a carnival. <laughs> Into the tunnel of love. <laughs> and then Joker jumps in uh, one of the uh, canoes and grabs his paddle. And then Batman jumps up from underneath him to grab him and throw him down. And then Joker pulls uh. out a knife and starts stabbing Batman in the uh, stomach. Yeah, let's, let's go with that. And then Batman, who doesn't like rough play, just grabs Joker by the face and you hear crack. Do you need a cigarette over there? And I think Joker might have after that. <laughs> And then Joker's like, ha ha, I made you lose control. I now we- you're still alive. Yeah, oh. and then Joker just breaks his own neck and dies. How? I do I do like the uh, last image of him, though, where after he does it, like this twisted smile on his face, like the iconic Joker grin. Could, while we're on the topic, mm-hmm. could the Tunnel of Love possibly <laughs> been anything that was related to the killing joke with that whole... I think Sorry. Killing Joke oh, came out is, after this. Did it? I'm going to check on that while you guys talk about it. Yeah, I think Maybe so. Maybe Killing Joke was on that. Who knows? Well, you know, which, speaking oh. of which, they're doing that next. I know, it's, and it's the first R. And, and yeah, it's, that one's rated R, too. <laughs> they they got, got back... I was going to say, they got Mark Hamill on that, yep. too. And, and Kevin and, Conroy. Mm-hmm. Yep. Now, Killing Joke was by Alan Moore and came out two years after this. Oh, okay. Then there it is. It does not. Yep. Hashtag not true fan. <laughs> <laughs> Yep. So. And so then Batman gets away, and then all oh, right, the Cold War is back. Is you know, that's a thing. That's it. Yeah. And they say some nuke. A nuke has been fired because, of course, it has. Superman deflects it, and it goes off. And Superman drops to the ground and gets power from sunflowers. And no, I'm not making that up. Oh, sun. It's, that, yep. It's just a little sun. Yeah. It, it, yeah. Superman. Superman's a green superhero because he's photosynthetic. <laughs> 
<laughs> it's Frank Miller's best friend. He's like, the sun gives him power. It gives me power, too. I, I played Plants vs. Zombies. I know how that works. He <laughs> just clicked it so quick and got all of them. <laughs> Look, I'm back, guys. I'm going to defend that tower. Oh, yeah. So, he could pass me. So... Despite the fact that let let's count how many times has Baru's been beaten up by by now? He's perfectly mm. fine too. I don't know how many times has he been beaten up. Uh, he got uh, the first night, he, the first time he hit the, fought the mutant leader, he got his butt handed to him. He got there was a second time where he won, but he definitely took a lot of hits. Yep. That's and now the third time where he's facing the Joker, he's been stabbed, shot, and uh, shot, and probably hit a few times by the cops. Yep. And isn't he in a coma? No. He's just like, I'm going to put in another bat suit because I'm totally invincible because Frank Miller loves me. Turns out that is the secret to living longer. It's just getting into fights when you're like in your 50s. Yeah. It's wearing the bat suit. When Batman gets in the bat suit, he gets stronger. But here is where the story (laughs) takes a weird turn. That nuke that Superman stopped from hitting an innocent island that was just having to be under dispute by the Soviet Union and the United States, of course. it causes a massive electromagnetic pulse that we're told sets off pretty much the entire country. An EMP. It's EMP and you know it. <laughs> yeah, and that spells EMP. Yeah, and while you get the right pronunciation, we're taking a break. Look. Either shut it down, or one of these days, someone with authority is going to tell me to come stop you. And when that happens... When that happens, may the best man win. Uh, So Batman rides his trusty steed into town... Yeah. ...and goes, Hi-ho, Silver! Away! And gathers the sons of... Well, the sons of Batman are gathered, and he rides up and goes, No, you shouldn't use guns, and even though he's probably in a very weakened state, he grabs a gun and breaks it in half, because... Gives a shit. Well, we're told that basically because Batman rallies the sons of Batman and Robin around him to keep order on the streets instead of massive looting, while the colossal amount of damage an EMP would actually do to the country um, is not touched over. It's just people lost power. Do you really so, think Frank Miller understands or cares? He doesn't know anything about science, I know. <laughs> so. Imps are hard to Yeah. Yeah. We're told we're told by news later on that Gotham is the only city that dis- did not descend into hell oh. of rioting and uh, rioting and looting. Well, Reagan's pissed off about that. Batman. <laughs> Reagan's like, "Hey, Superman, you you feeling better from that nuclear blast?" He's like, "I'm doing fine, sir." He's like, "Well, I want you to go down and stop Batman. Kill him. Yeah. Cure them. Do it. Descend to hell. So ruin it. <laughs> yeah. Do it." And uh, why is Reagan more focused on Batman rather than a nuclear strike from Soviet Russia? Because he's a goddamn Batman. Exactly. <laughs> Pretty much. Because Frank Miller wrote this, and yeah, he's the goddamn Batman. So, Batman isn't going to stand for Superman coming to his town and telling him what to do, so he even recruits Oliver Queen who has been a vigilante this entire time. See, we're told in 11th hour plot twist here that apparently, uh, just like Watchmen, the government passed an act where everyone, all the superheroes had to register or go off the grid. And Oliver Queen didn't, and he lost an arm doing it. He's been a vigilante ever since. So all that actual believable story why Bruce would walk away from the cowl because of Jason Todd's death, 
Nope. Forget it. Forget about it. So, the movie reaches its climax. Go on, make your joke. (laughs) Oh my. So, this seems really familiar to a recent movie that just came out. I am Iron Bat punching Superman in the face. 30 years later, a crappy movie will feature this. Pretty much. Yeah. Saw it <laughs> as it left the theater. <laughs> so, over this long extended sequence, and. Which uh, wasn't really all that good. I mean. Bruce Timm's team made this better than it was in the comic, because in the comic, it's just Bat- uh, Batman monologuing the entire goddamn time. Oh, Green Arrow's cool it. Yeah, and then Green Arrow shows up with he one arm. Off a, he flips off a, a ladder. Yeah. And shoots an arrow with his mouth and one hand. <laughs> he shoots a Green Arrow. Well, it's kryptonite. Yeah. yeah. Everything agrees kryptonite. <laughs> <laughs> That's the secret. <laughs> In fact, if Superman so. didn't fall into a bed of sunflowers, but instead clovers, none of this would have happened. That would be dead. <laughs> and then uh, Batman beats up Superman. He goes, stay out of my way. And then he dies. Nah. Huh? Blah. Yeah, he goes, Bleh. Yeah, he doesn't really die. He's just mostly dead. So he comes back. But Alfred really dies, and no one really seems to... Yeah, they do the quote nightfall protocol, which actually would become a comic thing, and but which includes blowing up the entire Wayne Manor, except by doing it, Alfred has a stroke and dies alone in the snow. Yep. Later, really respect that character, Frank. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. And now Batman goes underground with the sons of Batman, Oliver Queen, and Robin. Whoopity. He says he's going to teach them on how to protect the city. And there were never any sequels ever. (laughs) Oh, wait, no, this is the darkest timeline. (laughs) The Dark Knight must strike again. All right. Um, So, all right, let's just get into this. Well, when does our guest start? Yeah, Travis. What did you think of this movie? What did you think of the the movie itself? Uh, You know what? I kind of, well, I like the first part. I'll be honest. Uh, it had issues. Strangely, most all of those issues came from, um, the comic that they had to adapt. Like, uh, Piggy McNipple... Ah, Piggy McSpike Nipple. Spike Nipple. You know what? I almost ruined the copyright. See, I had to avoid the copyright, so Uh. I changed it. Because you already booked it. And you actually got the, uh... The website www.spikynipple. Nope, no, don't, nope. Uh, <laughs> don't go to that. Don't go to the website. I don't know it's there, but it's probably not good. It's probably. Uh, I thought they did some. I mean, most definitely is. But I'm. Uh, I'm. I thought they did some pretty cool things. They did put a little bit of like uh, Easter eggs here and there in the movie with the comics to kind of reference other things, which I thought was all right. Um, but it seems like they lost a lack of direction in the second part, which, I mean, also I thought the same with the comic. Uh, it has cool moments that when you think about it, when you go back and look, well, don't go back and look. When you think about it in your head, it was pretty cool. You, you go back and watch it, it wasn't. But it's one of those things, like, I did, I always thought I enjoyed part two when I read it far more than I actually did. And why is that? Because you look back on it, and you look at back at like the trailers of Batman vs Superman. You 
imagine so much more of what it could be and everything in your head and like imagine the fights and then when you see the actual products it wasn't as cool as you imagined but the premise itself was nice i wish they finished that i wish it wasn't so whoopity shit <laughs> all right i'm going to go next cuz i know jeremy has a lot to say on this regard yeah, go for it look Bruce Tim has already done this, and he's already done this a lot better. It's called Batman Beyond. Yeah. So the idea of a Batman who is forced into retirement um, and later has to re, uh, reclaim at least a portion of the mantle is not a bad idea. But here's the thing. Whatever – an aged Batman returning the mantle is not a bad one, but the execution here is extremely lackluster. They don't actually explore why Batman left him behind, except what we first thought is just because Jason Todd's death. And then later, an 11th hour reveal that Watchmen already did better, The Incredibles does better, with the government act that puts superheroes out of work. Batman Beyond did this better within the first 10 minutes of the pilot. Bruce was aging out of the role, forced into a situation where in order just to survive, he turned a gun on a criminal. That was enough to realize that he should retire. He violated everything he stood for by resorting to the quick and easy route. So this story is not ultimately what it could be. Don't get me wrong. Part one is actually fairly good when it stays on topic. The line with Harvey Dent is actually well written. The mutant thing is a little weird with Piggy, but you know what? I don't mind it. But the more political commentary it starts adding... The more we keep adding Superman into the mix, and all of Part 2, it just feels like a tacky add-on. Here's the thing. Bruce, like I said, Batman Beyond already did this a lot better. Bruce returning to the mantle here to borrow from Return of the Joker? Well, this isn't an adult Batman doing what needs to be done. This is a, a Batman in a playsuit calling out for Mommy and Daddy. Yes, there's no maturity here. There's no more. He's he's trying to generally help Gotham for the sake of Gotham. He's doing it because he feels he feel feels all oh, the bat the Batman isn't done with me yet. Yeah, he's just pushing his own agenda by the very end. Right, he really is. And it it just I'm sorry, this is not mature storytelling. I've read better Batman comics than this. Um, but. Especially that there are a lot better. Even from Frank himself, Batman Year One was a lot better. And this just the Dark Knight, the Dark Knight Returns. Don't get me wrong. There are part, like I said, there are parts that are good, but ultimately it's not the best storytelling that's ever been done with the with the with the character of Batman. And then there's the character of Batman. If you haven't noticed, this is Frank's favorite character in all of DC. This way, he kind of like he like with Mantle, and this is a problem that is at at least of half of DC staff. They like their poster boy so much they forget that other heroes have merit. The fact that Superman finds justice from the light instead of the dark, or the fact that Wonder Woman is a commentary on the battle between the sexes, or that Hal Jordan is about learning to embrace your fears and turn them into power, or that the Flash is about controlling. Controlling speed and become being clever with it because he's not super strong. Or Aquaman having to balance the duties of a king with the duties of a hero. 
or it's just like the heroes lear- actually learning Ult- from each other. I mean, I liked it um, just in- just like act of just like act of God, mm-hmm. the comic act of God. Half of DC, he has this idea that every hero has to be more like Batman because he's the one without powers and he's the one doing it all on his own. Well, you know what? That's crap. Sorry, Frank, and every other writer who embraces this viewpoint. Superheroes can be show us the best of what we are, and not all of them have to be this grim vigilante. But Atwin, the Adam West Batman is fun because it embraces the silly. But that doesn't mean Batman has to be silly, but it does mean Batman has to be done seriously. And this is, like I said, Batman in a playsuit calling out for Mommy and Daddy. Alright? Wow, I can, I'm serious tonight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Alright, so, well, before we get to Jeremy's thoughts, I think we need to take our last one. Oh, break. yeah. Gotham City belongs to the Batman. Batman. Darling. Yeah, I I agree with um, Pete's thing where basically it's kind of like with the movies, too, where everyone looked at like the dark Batman movies like, oh, that's how we got to go. And they made the dark Superman movie and (laughs) that wasn't the way to go. Um, I I actually liked in I was talking about the story to break that I liked it in the episode uh, one of the episodes Justice League where they think. Superman's dead, and Batman doesn't believe it. He refuses to believe that Superman's actually dead. And at one point, he even says, like, I feel like I'm wrong. And he just looks up at the memorial and goes, despite our differences, I had the utmost respect for you. And you taught me that heroes don't have to come from darkness. And as he's talking to him, all of a sudden, an explosion goes off, and he looks out and looks back and goes, what did you call it, Clark? The never-ending battle. And he just kind of goes off to be the hero on his own, acting a little un-Batman, where he just doesn't have a plan and just attacks and kind of pulls a Superman a little bit, actually. But Superman was kind of like the Russian and just start punching things. But I, I just kind of like that version of Batman, the one from the DCAU, where they actually gave him, you know, a personality and not just, I'm Batman! All right, so for this thing, though... I'll get this out of the way first. Yes, I know The Dark Knight Returns was very influential in creating the modern views and takes on Batman. Yes, I know it helped revitalize the character. I know it helped comics. But I'm just going to say this right now. As a consumer of this product, someone who just wanted to watch a good movie, I don't give a shit about what this comic did for the industry, okay? That has nothing to do with whether or not it's good or not. All right? That being said, part one, I agree, is not that bad. It's actually got some good moments into it. I don't think it's like the greatest thing of all time or anything, but it's got some good ideas. I like the. I also love the concept of old Bruce Wayne seeing Gotham go into hell and just wanting to be Batman again, wanting to stop criminals again. And that's what the first part of this movie is about and the comic and the story is about is him seeing crime and him wanting to stop it. You know, one of the things, one of the last news report things, which one of the few decent news report things right before he goes back to being Batman is he sees that like children were murdered and he's like, that's it. I can't take it anymore. I need to go do something about this. And this part also acknowledges he's not in his prime anymore. You know, he's beaten up a little bit. And 
in the comic, there's actually some there's annoying monologuing, but he'll even comment that he's you know tired. He's not as good as he used to be. And they even show it like when he's staking out Harvey Dent, he actually cracks his neck and looks a little stiff. Like he's like, huh, this used to be a lot easier when I was 30. And I like I, I like what they did with Harvey Dent, where he's completely twisted and he thinks he's completely deformed. I just wish there had been more done with that. You know, like I said, they just kind of cut off and that's it. And I do. And as I said before, I like the fight with Piggy McSpikeNipple. And I honestly think part one had a natural ending, which I made the joke about it earlier, but I'm dead serious. This should have ended with the Sons of Batman showing up and actually carrying on his legacy, truly, and then him hanging up the cowl and going, now I don't need to be Batman anymore because there are people that are going to take it up for me. You know, carry on my legacy, be the spiritual successors to me. I think that would have been a perfect ending to this. And unfortunately, no, it just kept going. And yeah, I don't like any of the story in part two. I there it's while part one has some problems, it's actually I, I recommend it. I think people should see it. I think it's a it's worth a watch. Part two is a dumpster fire. The story is ridiculous. Batman is portrayed as invincible and as like basically as a like Gary Stew. I mean, for God's sakes, everyone who isn't Batman is an idiot in this. They're like, oh, we can let Joker on a TV show. It'll be perfectly fine. He won't. Oh, everyone's dead. The new police commissioner is more focused on trying to capture Batman than focusing on the fact that there's a psychotic murderer within range of a bunch of people. Like, no, let's go shoot at Batman instead. And also, Batman's kind of dumb for fighting them for no reason whatsoever. They give no reason for his attacking the police or going near them. And there's the stupid Cold War subplot, which dates the hell out of this thing, which, if you're, as a period piece, that's fine, but it's just a lot of people who see it today are going to be like, what the hell does this have to do with anything Batman? And you know what? It has nothing to do with Batman. Fake Ronald Reagan sending Superman to stop Batman rather than face the threats to the United States, a.k.a. nuclear frickin' warfare? That's ridiculous. Apparently, according to Miller, Batman's the center of the goddamn universe. Oh, and of course, you know, Batman running around and riding on a horse. He's just been stabbed. It's just, this whole thing is basically just Miller masturbating over Batman. I know I made the jokes about that earlier, but I'm serious about it. That's basically what this is. And also, you know, like, there's the climactic moment with Joker and Batman, you know, ignoring the ridiculous foyer, which I, I know it's hard to do. The, the key moment yeah. of Joker saying he won because he made Batman lose control, I, that's, that's not a bad idea, but the scene makes no sense if that was Joker's goal. I mean, what outside of just Joker's goal usually is just to cause chaos. Batman snapped his neck, not killing him, by the way, because it was out of desperation due to being stabbed to death. Maybe at the time well, this was a good concept, but now it's an old hat. It's just part of it. Just part of this thing just hasn't aged well. I will admit that. It's so maybe back in the day because it was brand new. It was something there, you know, special. But you referenced Return of the Joker before. There's a better moment than this in Return of the Joker, where Joker pushes Batman to his breaking point, pull, like reveals that he knows who Bruce is, does the, you're just a little boy in a playsuit crying for mommy and daddy. And he even says, it would be funny if it weren't so pathetic. I'll laugh anyway. You know, and he's tortured and transformed Robin into a mini Joker. 
Batman jumps on him, starts beating on him, and actually says, I'll break you in two. And Joker just laughs in his face and says, oh, Bats, if you had the ability for that kind of fun, you would have done it years ago. I, on the other hand, and he just slashes him and stabs him and goes, I won. It's this glorious moment where Joker's like, I've seen the best of what you've got, and I beat you, because you don't have the guts to do anything about it to me. And also the constant news reports, uh, it's annoying. In the first part, there are some moments where they actually do add to the story. That's fine. Like I said, where Batman actually sees all the moments of like violence and stuff on the news, and that helps drive him to become Batman again. But a lot of it is just Miller shoving his political agenda in our face. And the fact that every woman in this treated like speaking of political agenda. And look, honestly, I don't give a crap. The writer, actor, director of something has stupid views and ideas. Like Mel Gibson is like a raging psychotic at this point. But I still love the Lethal Weapon movies. Though I'm pretty sure I wouldn't like them as much if Martin Riggs was a raging anti-Semite. Okay? But he's not. Frank Miller, you're writing a goddamn Batman story. Not, no joke off All-Star Batman Robin intended. I don't want your stupid personal agendas being slapped in my face, okay? I don't need it. I don't give a about what your opinions are. It has nothing to do with Batman. Look, I've seen almost all of the DC direct-to-video animated features. This is the only one where I will say I never want to see it again, and I think it's crap. And I don't put the blame on Bruce Tim and his team because there's only so much you could do when you start with crap. You can only paint over it so many times before everyone just looks and goes, yeah, this is a gold-painted turd. And this isn't even a gold-painted turd. And I will say, they did try. The voice acting in this was good. There are good things about it that have nothing to do with the source material and all to do with the people who worked on it. I'm sorry, this whole, and like I said, I actually read through the comic last night. This thing... Maybe for its time, it was, you know, first time I understand it was kind of big, and I will admit some of this stuff just hasn't aged well, but there's some of this stuff that just wasn't any good to begin with. A lot of the dialogue is just garbage. It's not interesting. The story completely falls apart because it doesn't know where it wants to go in the second part. And yeah, all this is is an overrated story that happened to do something different, and much like a lot of pioneers who do something first, it ends up being topped by the very next thing. You know, like if you look back at like 3D video games, like the original Tomb Raider was big for its time. You look back on it, that thing's a piece of crap. Mario 64 came out after it and showed them what you could actually do with a 3D platformer in a 3D game. And honestly, after looking at some of Miller's later work, like I've seen the Linkara reviews for Dark Knight Strikes Again and seen that little bit of that Holy Terror garbage and the all-star Batman and Robin. I'm just going to say this was a fluke. Like, I, I don't I'm shocked that anyone ever thought this was good, you know, at the time. It's like I saw it, it did get bashed at the time by some people, too. And, yeah, maybe he has done some good stuff, but I don't even want to read his stuff. I don't like – from whatever, everything I've read, I don't like this guy. I don't think he is all that competent. I'm sure I can do a better job writing than he can. Actually, I'm very sure I can. And, honestly, I don't want to see his crap. I don't want to – him. I don't want him to put out anything again because all he's done is polluting the comic stream. <sighs> okay, I'm done.
Wow. Sure you don't need that cigarette right now. Wow. I had that. Uh, uh, you know what? I'm going to admit I had that built up for a while. Um, after I rewatched this a couple months ago, I wanted to cover it almost immediately for the podcast. <laughs> I'm like, I had so much rage about it. I'm like, I want to bash on this. Like, I need to unleash my, you know, unleash my opinion of this thing. And you know what? It feels pretty good. Fair enough. Oh, I guess we really don't like Frank. No. So. To be frank, we don't. Stop that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Oh, I think that about wraps us up. Yep. Uh, so, Pete, where can they find us online? We are at frustratedpodcast.com. Uh, you can find all of our episodes there. You can. We are on iTunes, and we are on the new Google Play Podcasts. Woo! I just yep. We like subscriptions. We like reviews whether they're uh, positive or not. So come check us out. Yep. So, and so anything you want to plug, Travis? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I was, like, trying to think for a second. I was like, what can I plug? Uh, I don't well, know. There's uh, that, uh, there's the, uh, there's our I riff. Tracks you guys did. There's a riff Yeah, tracks. you know what? We did do a riff tracks. You can do an I riff of, uh, X-Men, the third movie. Uh, it was, uh, it was great. You can buy it. It was, uh, it was fun to do. We tried to do, um, for, uh, Jonah Hex, and, uh, that movie was too terrible for us to finish. Yep. I can't, I can't. Well, we're ever at the same con, we'll have to do another one of the X-Men movies. Maybe Wolverine, Origins Wolverine. Oh, that? <laughs> I actually don't mind that movie, because I went into it expecting a dumb, fun action flick, and that's what I got, so... On that are, level. Are you talking about, like, the one with Daredevil? I mean, not Daredevil. Gambit. Oh, God. Yeah, no, not Gambit. Well, yeah, I Gambit. Gambit. But I was also thinking... Uh, fake Deadpool. Yeah, fake Deadpool. <laughs> not Deadpool? Not, not Deadpool. Yeah. Well, it, it, Guys, it works. It was part of the timeline, but the timeline changed because of X-Men. They went back to the future and then switched everything up. So that timeline exists, but on a different plane. Does anybody watch Flash? I'm telling you. This, this great, is heavy, Doc. This <laughs> <laughs> Great <Heavy>. shot. This <laughs> is gonna go. Don't make me get out of clipboard. I will write on it. I will show how this works. Uh, that's the power. So, what are we doing next? Uh, next episode, we are going to be doing something that I actually wanted to do way back when we did Sonic 06. Uh, hidden gems for video games, which that was my idea for that episode, but Pete was like, no, we got to do Sonic 06, and I responded, okay, oh, so it's your fault I had to play that game. <laughs> the truth comes out. No. I see how it is. <laughs> well, on that note, while I run for my life, um, <laughs> we'll see you next time, folks. Take care, everyone. Bye-bye.